0: Welcome to the stream everybody, uh, this is Theory Underground, I am your host David McCarricker, and um, this some people will be watching this in the future out of context and that's totally okay because this conversation is a standalone conversation, but the the context of it, uh, our being in the world in a sense, is one of uh, what I've been doing a live stream here for 11 Hours and twenty eight minutes, and uh, we're about to go for another hour and a half. So that's good because honestly, this is easier for me than other ways of doing things, like the editing hole that I was in making those Gijik one hundred and one and Lacan one hundred and one things for the Theory Underground launch, the the original launch before the Core Site launch. So the Core Site launch, we haven't talked too much about it, but basically, Theory Underground is not just like a social media app, it's specifically a course-gated social media app, meaning that the forums kind of exist under the presupposition that the people involved have a commitment to tackling certain texts, to being engaged with certain thinkers, to trying to understand and see the world through certain concepts. And the person I'm bringing on for this conversation is Nick Casalucci. Is that right? Did I say it right? Yes. Okay. Nick Castellucci is one half of the Vanishing Mediators, formerly known as K-Voy. Uh, he also goes by Free Beer Tomorrow on Instagram and other places where you might have seen his memes. But he's most well known for the work he has done with his friend and fellow traveler, my friend and fellow traveler as well, Andrew Flores, a.k.a. Master Signified Bodies, a.k.a. the Big Signorelli, a.k.a each of you being one fourth of the young Jijikians, or I guess the two of you compose one half of the young Jijikians. I can even math right now. Um, so I just wanted to like ask you, where, where are you coming from? You're being in the world. You've been up since 6am. What are you, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) In general, in the abstract right now.
0: The whole thing. Yeah. Today, like what kind of a day are you having? Today, um,
1: it's been something of a whirlwind, very um, Pinocchio-focused. I've been teaching Pinocchio all day. That's not a joke. Um, Yeah, I read Pinocchio condensed version to uh, first grade, uh kindergarten we had a test for second grade it was not about pinocchio um it was about animals in italian and um and then for third and fourth grade we watched the latest pinocchio but not the guillermo del toro version because i'm not sure that they're ready for that so Uh. that's been my day so this is quite a you know shift in focus from Pinocchio to Heidegger. But maybe there's some through lines there. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Jordan Peterson could find it.
1: Right, he has a lot to say about Pinocchio, doesn't he? Okay.
0: All, all unions do, yeah. No, like uh, any great myth, they're gonna they're gonna fanboy for it, you know. Which is great, it's true, you know, like it's good to think about these things from philosophical lenses. I'm not trying to dunk on that. But anyway, so the other kind of where you coming from right now is yeah what so you've been doing stuff with uh with Andrew what have you been working on recently do you want to say anything about your channel before we really dive into what we're doing because obviously you're not your background is not being in time your background is not Martin Heidegger um, part of the question is like why the fuck are you wanting to read it why do you want to be sort of like the the pupil supposed to be confused but actually doing the readings all summer in this dynamic, like, why, why, what's wrong with you?
1: Yeah. What is wrong with me? Indeed. I mean, to, what is wrong with anyone who wants to take a deep dive into Lacan and Zizek to begin with, but then to add Heidegger to the mix, you really have to be, uh, far gone, but a little bit about, uh, me and Andrew's channel. We are of two weeks ago, I think maybe three, The Vanishing Mediators, as you said, formerly known as k We are steadily working through uh, the seminars. I don't think it's our plan to do every seminar. Sorry, the seminars of Jacques Lacan, I should say, the psychoanalytic thinker. (laughs) And uh, we've also um, taken on some exegetical readings to help uh, supplement the Mikey's or they know not what they do course. And we're really into it as a concept. Um, we want to do some other exegetical readings. We we've been thinking about doing some chapters of Ethics of the Real by Zupančič Alenka, because um, that that book isn't isn't talked as about as much as uh, what is sex. So we're gonna do a chapter of that related to the optical schema sometime in the future. That's wow. just a little bit about the channel. It's called The Vanishing Mediator. Or the, yes, The Vanishing Mediators. I should know the name of my own channel. You can check it out. Please subscribe. Um, why Heidegger? Why take this on? Well, I feel that at this point, the vanishing mediator, let's say, of many of the concepts that I've been working with Zizekian, Lacanian would be Heidegger. Is Heidegger's, if we want to call it this, phenomenology, his unique approach to the question of being? Um, I've dabbled. I have watched some videos. Uh, I've benefited the most from watching um, Brian Becker's series on Heidegger I believe he's going to be on tomorrow is that right you're going to be talking about intentionality
0: oh yeah not uh, only oh, is yeah. Brian Becker joining us tomorrow to talk about Husserl and intentionality and the the relevance of that for philosophy in general but specifically its influence on Heidegger and Lacan but after that like a little bit later I'll be like uh we'll be joined by uh let me actually show it here on the screen for people um Samuel Loncar, he's not very well known. Um, he's a professor at Yale. Uh, he's, he's a younger professor at Yale who's doing stuff online. And uh, he will be on right after Brian Becker. So it's going to be Ashley Frowley to talk about the family, Brian Becker to talk about intentionality, and then Samuel Loncar to talk about being in time and philosophy as a form of psychotherapy. So it's going to be like phenomenology heavy these first few hours.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm actually excited to be approaching someone as monumental as Heidegger from a a the stance of a novice. Not that I'm not a novice when it comes to Lacan, but now that like I've been talking Lacan for a while, I want to once again be 100% confused disoriented. Uh, I think it was uh, maybe Adam or Nance earlier just talking about kind of the humbling and also like equally thrilling experience of just like not quite being able to gain your bearings when it comes to a text, but also jumping right in at the same time and like being uncomfortable Being comfortable with being uncomfortable, basically, with the text. Mm. And um, I think with, with Heidegger, as I said before, it's sort of like his concepts are the vanishing mediator here in that we know that Lacan was early in his career, or at least in the early seminars, very influenced by Heidegger. He famously says in seminar two, in one of the lectures, eat your design, um, and clear. <laughs> I think there are a lot of homologies maybe, or just parallels between phenomenology and what's going on in psychoanalysis. But I'm more interested to learn about how, um, where, where the crucial distinctions lie. Although on the surface, there might seem to be many, many different, um, significant parallels between these two forms of thinking, but they're operating very differently. There's a, they're kindred, but operating very differently. And I'm interested to figure out exactly how. For us, by us, I mean, Lacanians, me and Andrew, uh, I think Mikey would agree with this the the register of the imaginary the bromian knot of the imaginary symbolic and the real a lot of what pertains to phenomenology happens within the imaginary and i feel like maybe without deep going too deep into what the imaginary is basically just immediate experience um i feel like i have been confusing at times what Lacan does for a kind of phenomenology, which, although he's influenced by Heidegger, we can't say that his his theory is phenomenology. It's very different. So that just begs the question. All right. So then, what is phenomenology? I don't have the clearest definition. I just have some notions, some inklings, and I'm really looking forward to testing those notions, developing them.
0: yeah, I'm gonna to want to ask Brian tomorrow if he agrees with that statement that um, Lacan is one not doing phenomenology and two that um, phenomenology is primarily dealing with the imaginary. Because I, I think the, I th- my my gut here and it's not just like off the cuff, like my gut from having wondered about this for a while is that the phenomenological approach um, is taken into the clinic by Lacan and that there's just certain things that you cannot see if you merely do phenomenology from the first person standpoint and that you actually need the other person you, you have to be doing analysis on a lot of other people and really it's really, it's, it's it's phenomenology of the dynamic that is occurring between you and these others. And so now maybe that's wrong, but um, I think that also this is not my own idea. I know Mikey's going to be like, that's my idea. It's true. It's Mikey's idea. Mikey has said something along those lines. Um, I hope that uh, someone doesn't steal his idea and then Mikey blames me for letting it out the cage there. but. That I can't think about it like different than that. And so hopefully we'll, we'll get to hear from him on this and maybe I'm doing him an injustice. Maybe maybe that's not actually his position. We need clarity now. But um, not only is, is that my hunch, but also uh, the phenomenology is like, it's the term that throws people off. Oh, it's dealing with appearances. I think when you get into chapter two of History of the Concept of Time, which is this text right here, which we will be hopefully talking about a couple of times in the month of May in preparation for the launch of the Being in Time course in June. Husserl is, his starting point is appearances, but also like everybody's starting point is appearances. But the point is to get beyond appearances and to deduce from appearances structures like general structures and some of these and the the the, the phen- phenomenological attitude or spirit or goal is to you know it's famous that you know he always said back to the things themselves right like this is the the motto of phenomenology from Husserl um but where that comes from is his uh mentor Brentano who is also a uh, teacher to Freud. And so both Freud and Husserl learned from Brentano that psychology up until their time had been borrowing its concepts willy-nilly and heavy-handedly from other fields. And those are fields that are opened up to consciousness and to various kinds of acts that are, you know, in search of knowledge, right? But those fields are, you know, they only really get underway once they stop borrowing their concepts from other fields and develop concepts that actually do their utmost to map whatever the subject matter is in that field, right? And so if you're borrowing concepts from biology and importing those into psychology, or if you're borrowing concepts from physics and you're importing those into psychology and you're not doing so in a in a very uh self-critical manner while doing so it's not scientific. And this was Brentano's fundamental focus. Now Aristotle and the scholastics, they knew about intentionality to some degree. Um they 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 realized that they're we don't have an experience of an objective world. We have an experience of experiencing a world, right? This is a fundamental problem for for philosophy, and you don't get out of it by just saying, "Well, oh, are we in the Matrix or are we in the dream of the evil demon? I don't know. Am I a butterfly?" And it's like this whole thing that people do. It's like this script where it's like they don't take it seriously, but it's like, no, no, no. We don't know what the world is to bats. We know what the world is to humans, right? More importantly, it, this is kind of to the concept of gaze and Lacan. We don't just go around and see things in like some kind of a neutral manner. We things are lit up, and really, in a sense, like the things that fascinate us, they're pointing at us in this sense. Like our unconscious, we learn about our unconscious, and others know about our unconscious too, by the things that we're seeing, by the things that we're focusing on, by what gets us excited. By you know, and so this is, um, this is sort of the the bedrock idea behind intentionality, Um, and there's other essential ideas like categorical intuition, the original sense of the a priori, bracketing, these other kinds of fundamental things for phenomenology. Um, But the point is is to not stay at the level of appearances. Contemporary academia has interpreted phenomenology as Let's just try not to think, let's try not to be biased. Let's try to look at the things and just interpret them to the best of our ability. But obviously, if you're doing that without a rigorous sort of uh, approach that does its utmost to, to say, well, what are we bracketing? What should we be bracketing? Why should we be bracketing it? And bracketing means like uh, taking t- taking certain presuppositions or things that you've assumed and like taking those out of the picture right like uh for instance subject object dualism um thinking of consciousness as uh, fundamentally opposed to objects in the world like that Husserl does this to some degree heidegger's gonna say he never went far enough but the basic point is, is like you're importing epistemological and metaphysical baggage into the analysis when you're doing that and so um there is no such thing as a pure encounter with the things themselves, right? Now, one of the things I've, I've, I think Mikey has said on stream before is that uh, one of the detriments of phenomenology is if you bracket out too many concepts, eventually, like you're not having an unmediated experience with the things themselves. And I would say Husserl is very aware of that. Heidegger's also aware of that. The, the point is never to, oh, now I've had this genuine f- brush up with the things themselves and now I can you know, describe them and then we can encode that into a new doctrine. So the point is not a doctrine. Like the point is a series of, I almost want to call them thought experiments, but they're more like ways of seeing. And they're ways of seeing that very methodically take certain things that we've taken for granted and put those on ice, right? And so I do think that uh, Lacan would never, this is my own, at this point i don't know if brian will agree with me because this is part of why i want to bring him on is to talk about this but i don't think that lacan would have had the richness of insight that he did when going to the to bringing freud into the 21st century um without phenomenological ways of looking and it's not just ways of looking but it's specifically like taking what has made itself manifest and then saying okay instead of fixating on that and just describing that What can we deduce from that in a generalizing way? Are there laws that we can come to? And these are laws... Are there laws that we can come to and through these concepts that are from the actual phenomenon and the mechanisms that we perceive in conscious interactions and experience itself? That's the question. When we say back to the things themselves, the point is, can we... Get, not get an original insight of the actual, authentic, real, original experience. Um, though, of course, like, that's a great goal. Like, why not try? Um, but specifically, are the, can we develop concepts that aren't just hand-me-downs from the thrift right. store of science, right? And so this is why the history of the concept of time starts out with the distinction between the sciences of nature and the sciences of the humanities. Uh, or social science versus um, what nowadays we'd call hard science. He says, uh, I think it's called, yeah, nature and history as domains of objects for the sciences, right? And so the tendency with DIL- Dilty and with um, uh, Husserl and Brentano as well as, well as Scheller, Schiller, Scheller um, all of these people who were aware that uh the humanities were making themselves the little handmaidens of hand-me-down clothes to the sciences and not developing their own discipline right um, they were aware of this but what heidegger's going to say is what they what they failed to do was to get back before the split between natural science and and, and social sciences because there are things in common between the two. And the concepts we should be using to think about them are not the concepts of physics, they're not the concepts of biology, they're not the concepts of astros. No, it, the, the concepts for making sense of the split are going to be not just merely ones relegated to the sphere of the humanities either, but instead, you go back, for Heidegger, you go back to the who's asking the question. Who's asking the question in the first place? Who's made the split in the first place? Who perceives and thinks through and projects this split onto everything all of the time, all day, every day? Humans are doing it, but specifically Dasein is doing it. We have to bracket out human because human comes with the baggage of spirit, rational animal, soul, made in the image of God, all of these things that he's going to, at the beginning of being in time, but also towards the end of the first section of history, of the concept of time, he's going to say, no, no. There's something to this idea of spirit. Like they're getting at something. Theologians who talk about this, they're getting at something. Right. Something's perceivable there, right? Like when someone dies, um something perceivable has changed, and it's and it's not just chemical processes. We can't just reduce that to that. Grandma's gone. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just oh, chemical processes changed, right? And so the 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 question though is okay, Who's the being that's asking the question and what are the fundamental horizon of that being? The fundamental horizon of that being is not a bunch of other beings as entities, objects in the world to be understood, but it's also entities manifesting themselves in time, specifically in time. And so that's the one thing that combines the natural sciences and the human sciences is time. That is the horizon that unifies them both. They both operate in time. but capitalism has made it all too easy now Heidegger doesn't use the word capitalism but capitalism has made it all too easy to see all of time in this calendar grid that is Cartesian in its essence right that is nihilistic in its essence in the sense that it just oh well it's just you know eventually we'll be swallowed up by the sun time is time you know it's just minutes and hours and you know weeks and years and it's just on this infinite grid and we're just arbitrary points in that and it's like you're taking some mathematical tools used to control nature and now you're using that to derive what? Your sense of meaning in the world? It's just backwards. It doesn't make any sense. And so I guess that I'll start by saying my, my, my three big reasons for being in time, aside from the ones that I talked about in the last, the last uh, video where I talked about being in time, it's basically his critique of modernity, scientism and his influence on everyone who comes after. Um, but I think that the questions being asked are fundamental questions to being a thinker period. And so, look, I mean, I've got people who came on today who probably don't like being in time. Chris Trump doesn't, he says he was influenced by Heidegger. But the thing is, is like it's going to force a kind of thinking on kinds of questions and issues. You've just never really tarried with and it's impossible to tarry with those in any way close to as deep through any other means. And that's why we're forced to have to read this is because you're not going to get it more pure. Like this is, this is a, it's notorious for a reason, but it's more importantly profound for a reason beyond its difficulty, because there is always that mechanism of, oh, it's difficult, and now I found clarity in it, and now it makes sense to me, and I have this pseudo-profundity moment, oh, uh-huh, it's deep, but really it was just putting something normal in complicated language, and now you feel proud of having read something difficult. That's the critique of all of continental philosophy. It's true in a lot of cases. There is that element of pleasure that comes after a lot of death drive jouissance trying to read a difficult text, but no, there's something genuinely profound here going on and it it, it's the, it it, separates the boys from the men, separates the little kids from the adults, separates the little girls from the women, however we want to say it. It is a rite of passage into being able to have any kind of sense for where Derrida is coming from, for where Levinas is coming from, where Foucault is coming from, and I do believe Lacan. And so I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I just like... First of all, you got me talking, so thank you. I want to hear you talk, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. Wow, I have so much to say. One, I want to just clarify that I don't think that phenomenology purely confines itself to the register of the imaginary. It begins with the imaginary, and I think that it begins with the imaginary in the sense that we're beginning with appearances, and I think why it would be a great supplement to... Lacan and the work of many Lacanians in general is that I feel like sometimes the imaginary is the the register that's neglected, that kind of falls by the wayside over time. Uh, But Heidegger's point of departure is appearances, bracketing out things from appearance, and then from there we can actually focus on a kind of um, taxonomy of appearances that does get beyond appearances mm. and uh, to a a kind of symbolic to the next in quotes the next register so uh, I think Lacan would probably criticize Heidegger for collapsing the two at points but even there, sure. there's even a, a productivity in 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 the collapsing there in the fact that Heidegger might not have the same conception of the real that Lacan has, but there are things in Heidegger that maybe Lacan and Zizek gloss over. Uh, mm-hmm. although Zizek, he began as a Heideggerian, so he's more than conversant with the tradition. 100%. Something else I wanted to say, I'm kind of like bouncing all over the place, but here, uh, and I'm also just, uh, giving a preview of my three reasons. Um, You were talking about things in themselves, which is, of course, the concept that is most closely associated with Kant. And there are there's a fidelity there between phenomenology and Kant's project, the Kantian project. It's like. Kant has his tables of judgment. He has his categories, he and and his his domain is the transcendentally ideal, transcendental idealism, what transcends experience, uh, what goes into a cognition transcendentally to make that cognition possible. And then it seems like, well, okay, that's, that's a worthy project. That was absolutely Copernican, of course, in its um, revolutionary potential. But something something is neglected there. Something there's a remainder, you know. As a as a Zizekian, you know, us Zizekians, we love remainders, we love the miscellaneous, we love the things that that don't fit into the the scheme. And I feel like Heidegger is doing something similar. And it's like, okay, but what's being, you know? I feel like you were getting at this day you know what what is getting um, a short shrift here in the history of philosophy itself and at this point of the split between these two sciences the you know what you were talking about with the kind of like spirit um what religious people are often you know ridiculed for believing in although they're they're pointing to something even if they uh tend to dogmatize it is and this is my understanding of design which is like that which questions its own being, that which is able to ask questions about its being, of itself. And that's what philosophy is, right? And even the beginning of the history of philosophy from Socrates on, it's like we have something like philosophy before Socrates. We have pre-Socratics, proto-philosophers in a sense, but philosophy begins with kind of asking the question, what is philosophy? And that's a kind of design in itself, I think so it's this this self reflexiveness ness the self reflexivity that is is put under a microscope that is scrutinized and that i think that was probably what would make being in time so difficult because you have to keep that in mind you're not talking about a substantial entity we're not talking about a substantial subject we're, and, and i think this is where he uh, probably objects to um the cartesian subject right it's like it too quickly becomes substantialized it becomes turned into something concrete you know lacan loves the the, the cogito the technique of it but then as soon as it's like the uh, what res cogitans is like reunited with the um what's it the res extensia or whatever like the the extent the extension in the world it's like, like all right okay so we we got back to our safe haven at this starting point of just like a world that's has a, a certain, almost medieval right it's like god's at the top he has all of his uh, individual subjects and now we're back at uh, something substantial thank the lord but it's like this is a this is a vastly different project any jumping off points
0: there I've got a few. I guess I want to say that, you know, I will be speaking strongly and uh, assertively from my hunches uh, uh, as far as interpretations of this text goes. But uh, part of the goal of that is to fumble into deadlocks and contradictions. And there are some fundamental, um, Disagreements in the field um, that we are diving into here, um, including like being itself, like in being in time, like it shouldn't even be called being in time. It should be called uh, meaning in time or sense of sense of being, meaning of being and time um the, the reason being that heidegger there's a there is a world of rocks and stones and trees that if we die it exists but the thing is is it won't exist for us and the thing is it right now it does exist for us there's no denying that it exists for us in a sense now obviously not in like a linear causal you know physics phys- physicist sense but like you know, it, it, it exists for us. And the thing is, is we've made it exist for us. He's critical of this in the sense that the age of inframing, the age of technology, it reduces the entire world into a standing reserve on call for us, right? Um, which would be great if we actually got to be the lords and possessors of the earth like Descartes thought it would make us. But actually what it does is it puts us on call as standing reserve to one another as well or to the to our bosses right um but also the heideggerian critique of the soviet union is that this is uh, this is capitalism led by the workers you know it's still capitalism right and so the the, the you know in 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 either form of capitalism the entire earth is still reduced to standing reserve on call for our desires but we are also all still put on call for one another, which just means that we're all exploited, and it doesn't matter if we're exploited by overlord bosses who live in mansions, or if we're exploited by some uh, professional revolutionaries who say that they're doing things in our interest. If if the disposition, the fundamental disposition towards nature, is the same, then the question is: Is have we lost something fundamental to to what can give a meaningful life? Right, and so people go. Well, it's nostalgia. Well, yeah, he's a conservative, you know. Um, But also, there is. uh, I mean, capitalism is as as Marx says, melting everything solid into air, everything holy is profaned, right? And, I mean, good riddance in a sense, but also um, some of the things, are things that. Are potentially worth. maintaining, right? Not returning to, but maintaining like relationships, relationships are worth maintaining. Now, maybe not relationships with everybody you know, some people you can cut them off, whatever. But the point is, is relationships themselves are worth maintaining. And we live in a society today that's lost its sense for ethics and etiquette and morality, all three, as well as politics, which is separate from those things. And so the the sense of all of those terms has been lost and all we have is a bunch of simulation of these things. And so, you know, just because those need to be maintained um, doesn't mean that we have to return to some specific mode of life. But it does mean that it would behoove us to, to try to think through what is being, what is being in the world Um, and what is meaning, what is the meaning of life and to do so with an eye to the future and how we're going to live on this planet with one another, right? Anyone who wants to say it doesn't matter, that that doesn't matter, that, you know, a fundamental ontology that's going to try to actually get to the essence of the difference between rocks and trees and, you know, piles of trash on the side of the road and your actual grandma who has like maybe a couple of years left on this planet and is lonely right now. Like that there's fundamental distinctions between these kinds of beings. What? Just because we don't believe in angels and God, we're going to throw out the differences between kinds of being and reduce it all into atoms. It's fucking insanity. And that's what a lot of this kind of, uh, what would I call it? Uh, just, just a lot of the people who call themselves materialists is what that's what they're doing. It's all atoms in the void, and they oh I'm a dialectical materialist, and so it's atoms, and then they're emergent, and okay, cool. It's they're emergent, but have you actually ever really thought, really thought about being? And so I do think it's a fundamental, like worthwhile activity on its own. But as far as like blunders and mistakes, or 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 kinds of inter- ways of interpreting the field, the one thing I wanted to touch on before I kind of turn it back over here. So Dasein, yeah, it's a, it's the being that asks the questions, right? Instead of defining, um, it's, a, it's a being whose being is an issue for it. That's why it asks questions, right? Well, what does that mean to say it's a being whose being is an issue for it? Like obviously dogs and cats have to worry about survival just as much as worms and horses. Like trees have to worry about survival. Everything worries about survival. Everything perishes, everything comes in and out of existence. But we're that one being who cares so much about uh not passing out of existence willy-nilly in, in a way that goes beyond um uh mere survival and is actually so powerful that we might take our own lives. Right? Like you don't have no other creature has its being be an issue for it so strongly that it would take its own life before losing itself while still having to exist. Because there's a way that you can lose your, your honor or that you can lose uh, your meaning or that you can, you can see a political system going against everything that matters to you and you take a stand and you say, no, I, w- I would rather die than be in that future. And uh, that's not something that we get from other kinds of being. So being is an issue for us and it's being unto death and not death in the way that we perceive, right? So phenomenology, getting away from what is perceived, perfect example. We perceive death as perishing. That is not the existential phenomenological sense of the term death. and You're familiar with it, but for anyone who's tuning in, it's like being unto death is being creatures who can die before they die. Right? You can die at the age of 50 and still live out to be 90. Right, you could, you could die at the age of 20 and still keep living through your 20s. Right, More than this is the possibility of that kind of existential world collapse. The possibility of that existential world collapse is always there with us. It haunts us. And We don't like to sit with it. It's a kind of negation that we don't like to tarry with. And this is formative of everything, shapes everything. And, you know, I just, I, I think that really thinking about its influence on us, um, not not death as death, you know, leaving existence potentially, but specifically the possibility of no more possibility. And that includes like losing your master signifier or losing your profession or losing uh, your legs when you're, an, you're an, uh, like an athlete, like losing something that made the whole world make sense and gave you a place in it. And then like that, yeah, that, that possibility is part of the reason that our being is an issue for us. But I say us because it's like Dasein's not a he, it's not a she, it's not a one individual human being. Heider brackets out the dis, this 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 individual versus collective. He he brackets that out, and yeah, there is this sense of like the self vis-à-vis the they. But the thing is is he alternates his usage, Dasein, between a plural and an individual in a way that's actually meant to he's trying to break a habit of thinking of, well, there's groups of humans made up of individuals. And instead it's like, no, it's, this is more like for anyone with some familiarity in Hegel, what Hegel's talking about when he talks about spirit, right? We're talking about like, the, what's the point of departure for spirit? It's the being that asks the questions, but is the being that asks the question an individual like Descartes sitting in a cabin in the woods, or is it people? living amongst one another, having a shared basis in the world, right? And so this is part of like uh, how, I mean, really his thought lays the basis for two of the most important sociological thinkers of the 20th century, still popular in academia today, Bourdieu and Foucault, right? It is is specifically his treatment of Dasein and being in time that lays the basis for thinking about – humans in a way that breaks out of this atomizing versus group kind of like differentiation thing and so it's just whenever we think of Dasein we got to remember it's meant to foil any substitute with words like group, individual, soul, spirit, subject and a rational animal or made in the image of God. It's meant to substitute all of, it's not It's not meant to substitute all of those. It's meant to bracket out all of those and say, no, 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 no. You don't really have an experience as an individual. You have a whole life narrative as an individual that's been sold to you that's a modern construct, but a lot of people throughout history haven't had this concept. And it's an, it is a concept. And it's a concept worth worth bracketing out and thinking about because it also makes sense of totalitarianism it also makes sense of uh you know when 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 human masses act in certain ways that are totally irrational uh from the individual standpoint right um we're not we're it's pretty easy to lose our sense of individuality and and be a part of something a lot bigger because in a sense we are right so yeah, I just wanted to say that he brackets out individual versus collective, and that there's po- there's problems with that. It ushers in all kinds of problems that are worth thinking about. But, but that, yeah, it's it's uh, for the next month. Just uh, I just want to really implore everybody to be thinking about that. Um, Alexander Dugin, supposedly the right hand man of, you know, Vladimir Putin, uh, like the the chief ideologist of the Russian conservative state, um, he likes. Heidegger and has a specific interpretation of Heidegger that says, no, Dasein's is always collective and Dasein is a people bound by, bound by, um, blood and soil. Right? So it's pretty, if, if you read it that way, it's pretty easy to see, oh, okay, well, this is how, this is how that could work that whole Nazi reading. Um, now someone like Mikey is going to fundamentally disagree with this. There's a ton of ways that, um, Dasein still like still does get centered in individuals that have fundamental contradictions and breaks from any kind of an organic unity and Heidegger doesn't talk about organic unities. Dugan talks about organic unities. Spangler talks about organic unities uh, Evola talks about organic unities. Heidegger's not talking about organic unities when he and you know you can read it that way, but I think that it it it, it hurts it hurts things but at the same time, it's worth thinking about all of it as we approach the text. Because the the main point is to be confused when we use the term dazine.
1: Yeah, what you just reminded me of there with uh Dugan's take on Dasein. I couldn't help but think of um I guess it's the first chapter of where they know not what they do although he repeats this a few times that the 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 apex of culture comes to resemble barbarism in a way and that it, in in the monarch for example we get the the quilting of an entire community that is Simultaneously uprooted from uh, kind of supposedly like reme- immediate organic uh, connection with the 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 earth, but also becomes a people in that very act, becomes a, a, an organic whole. And I could see Dasein in the wrong hand sort of like suggesting itself as that without their... There being this gap, this important Hegelian kind of gap that needs to be, you know, the constitutive, the constitutive backdrop of of any whole is always its its contrary, its opposite, it's always contradictory. In a sense, I don't want to go too far afield of what we were talking about here, but that's just what came to mind.
0: No, Uh, it's not too
1: and it you know intersection between. Nature and culture, or lack thereof, and I think that's where it's like we get some p- potential for some um, misinterpretations, so some, you know, dangerous. Um, I, they wouldn't even be considered deviations necessarily from Heidegger's point of view, but it's in some ways that's just a testament to how how rich this this text is with with possibilities of interpretation.
0: Yeah, and I would just add that, you know, in a sort of sense, this is the ultimate steelman of conservatism itself. And that it really needs to be read that way. If we are modern or consider ourselves modern, or if we consider ourselves liberal or progressive or leftist or any other kind of ism that is a product of this thing where we think we're enlightened and that all traditional peoples across the entire globe are just backwards... Um okay, first of all, let's just say maybe that's true. Right? Maybe that's true. But also, you know, should we be critical of of all traditional people everywhere on the basis of, you know, someone who doesn't read philosophy or if they do it's just like Plato and Homer and like that's pretty much like their whole background. You know that, and their you know their their Bible or whatever. Like, should we be critical of that person and their attitudes and opinions, um, and use them as our punching bag, or should we you know uh, by the way this the same thing like their their representative in the Republican Party right? Should we, sh- is that a good person to make ourselves stronger by disagreeing with, but first trying to genuinely understand, or do we go to the most profound defense of something? uh that that maybe these other people are kind of feeling in their gut but they're not able to really articulate because they're not as Im- Im- immersed in like the entire history of, of of philosophy, right? For me, I say, um like I don't I don't want to fuck with like some some second rate socialist from Jacobin. I'm gonna go to Marx. And I'm not gonna fuck with some second rate, you know what, Ben Shapiro or some shit? Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to Heidegger because I'm going to take me to your leader. Take me to your most profound thinker you've ever had. Take me to the best of the best of the best and shut the fuck up with the rest. Now, obviously, I don't stop with the rest. I I try to still go to the rest, but it really is Heidegger and and Marx for me as like my main two. And so, um, and not to synthesize them, but to they each have fundamental um perspectives that are irreconcilable irreconcilable. And by working through these contradictions, we're able to see things that lay the 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 basis, I hope, for an even better approach. And that's not one that would um take them and go combine them, red-brown alliance. No, 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 no. It's one that says, fuck the red, fuck the brown. What's something else, right? I don't want to hang out with tankies and Nazis. I want to hang out with uh, people who are fundamentally disillusioned with what exists, but also don't take solutions, purported solutions from the 1920s as genuine solutions fit for our times, right? And, uh, so yeah, I, I think that there's like no better place for it. Like, honestly, like I'm profoundly critical of nationalisms, all nationalisms. I'm profoundly critical of black nationalism. I'm obviously profoundly critical of white nationalism. I mean, any nationalism. I've always thought that patriotism was silly, I've, I, but you know, that was my disposition. You know, besides a few times feeling my heart swell to the to the to the pretty music, um, the the general tendency was, this is like a cult, right? Like this is this is kind of weird that that people take this shit so seriously. And even at the university, like the the people with the the military people marching down at the, at, you know, at your actual graduation, it's like, why is the military here? Why is the police here? What's going on here? You know, Foucault's like peering in, and. The my 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 fundamental disposition against to, being told that I'm supposed to have some fidelity to some big collective group that is supposedly representing my interests. I've been oh, oh I've been told it's no you're just anti-authoritarian. No, I don't think I am. I mean, I'm 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 definitely anti-like uh just being told I just need to follow for following's sake. I just want to understand like what's the plan and I want people to actually tr- give a it on a shot at, at saying what the plan is. But with all that said, like Marvin Garvey or uh, is, it, is that his name? Uh, the, the black nationalist, the famous one or uh, Elijah Muhammad or uh, like Louis Farrakhan or uh like all of these these black nationalist guys if you actually read them and i'm i'm forgetting if it's Elijah Muhammad or 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 Garvey but uh I actually I remember reading one of the their things and I was like this is kind of like Heidegger it's like hard not to read it kind of like Heidegger because basically what he's saying um is that there is there are background conditions that render intelligible ways of living. And if you don't have those background conditions, you're not going to understand like someone else. And so it's like, you know, you can go to Saudi Arabia, you can live there, but I'm living in Mexico, but am I really Mexican? No. Can I try to understand it? Yes. But like, what is it? Is it a totality? Is it like a singular organic totality or what What? What? what makes up a culture in a, in a way that can't be reduced or, or, or erased without literally like ruining people's lives, right? That if not needing to be preserved in a sort of sense might need to be left alone to some degree. If anyone ever wants to make any genuine kind of world change, these are fundamental questions for me when it comes to social change theory, when it comes to a universalist project that wouldn't just erase difference. And I think that someone like Dugan is exploiting a lot of things um, and putting it together into an ideology to serve a state. But part of what he's exploiting is a genuine need for a sense of some kind of a cultural relativism, which he calls for. He calls for an anti-racist cultural relativism one that would allow Russians and United States and you know various other domains to kind of do their own thing um but he's for basically a bunch of empires living on this planet together instead of a bunch of smaller municipalities he he would not be down with smaller municipalities having their own basic control over their own lives right his his idea of of cultural diversity is giant nation-states coexisting as opposed to, you know, no, Aguascaliente, Mexico and Boise, Idaho and Philadelphia need to be able to come to their own decisions about how to live. And that is not uh, something that needs to be dictated by a central committee that is overseeing all changes happening on the planet. And if any social change, theorists in the future think that, 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 that kind of change is possible. Being in time shows why it's impossible. It doesn't just make you sympathetic to people who feel like it's impossible. No, it shows you why it's actually impossible. Like, uh, there's a, there's a good field study that, uh, from anthropology that does something that correlates really well with being in time. James Scott seeing like a state is fantastic. And especially like the the last half of that text. Um, it's 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 basically like he's giving you some of the key insights from being in time, but without making any references to being in time. And he's just focusing on facts, 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 facts. But it's just like, yeah, part of what we get to is how this undermines what James Scott calls high modernism, which is really just what Heidegger is going to call modernity or Cartesianism.
1: I have a question for you. Yeah, so this, do you think that this dugan notion of a kind of collective design that can be, I don't know what we could call it, like further developed, um, reinforced, uh, you know, Further pronounced as opposed to something we're just by default immersed in. In your opinion, does that show fidelity to Heidegger's text? Or is that a kind of deviation? Because in my experience, it's like a lot of a lot of readers of philosophy tend to take texts as prescriptions. You know, right. design is not just a description of how one should be in the world, but a prescription for how one should better be in the world. Right. It's like I know, I know I don't understand it myself because I haven't read deeply enough, but Heidegger has his own notion of authenticity, for example. But if there is a prescription, what is it? Or are we misreading by looking for a prescription?
0: I definitely don't think he's... I, I think he's definitely trying to safeguard against prescribing. Um, now, there is a, re- a way of reading his entire life's project as pure anti-Marxism. Um, there, When I say that there's a way of reading that, uh, I don't think Lukács even would say such a thing in... Uh, what is it? The Destruction of Reason or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, I know Andrew's in the chat, and we'll suggest it. Uh, he actually he corrected me. It's Marcus Garvey. I think I said Marvin. <laughs> um, but <coughs> Marvin, no. So, like, obviously, someone like Mar- Marcus Garvey is prescribing. Um, yeah. So. He's he's pretty adamant and clear during this period, and I can't say for his I can't speak to his entire au revoir or whatever, but I know that in, his, in this period, he is um, trying to be as scientific as possible. And that his understanding of what science is, a genuine science that has a real capability of getting outside of psychologizing philosophy, but actually kind of getting to the root of both philosophy and psychology, right? Um, requires a sort of scientific fidelity to trying to understand before prescribing and that he spent his life trying to understand before prescribing. as far as his political affiliations and whether or not he was anti-Marxist or whatever. And I forget who said that, by the way. Um, there's an, it's escaping me right now. There's a book I was just reading, um, that suggests that. And I'll have to, I'll have to, I think it's Bordeaux says that shit. Um, but cause Bordeaux a big critic of, of Heidegger. Um, but you know, he, he, he bought into lesser evil thinking, right? He bought into lesser evil thinking, um, from, from his standpoint, uh, the, the, the red army was raping and pillaging his country, right? Like, is that right? Um, while well, I was just in Poland and, uh, one of the people I was speaking to who's a leftist was like, yeah, my grandma would talk about how that was everybody's like, that's what they saw when the red army would come in, you know, to liberate. It, it was really just raping and pillaging. Right. So it's like lofty words, but what's the reality behind it? Right. Oh, they want to rule the world. Hell no. Right. And so, you know, this is this lesser evil thinking is something that we'll critique through Emmanuel Levinas, Right. And so part of the importance of being in time is that it lays the basis for totality and infinity. Um, and I, 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 I read that not only as a critique of most people's lesser evilist thinking, which is used to justify every horror that's ever existed. But, um, also is a critique of both Heidegger and Marx and the Soviet Union and Germany. And, you know, he was a, you know, a French Jew in a German POW camp in world war two, Levinas was. Um, so, I mean, he fought Nazis. He spent time interned, um, with, you know, under their, uh, you know as a prisoner and uh but but before the war he had studied under heidegger right and husserl he was levinas was the first person to interpret husserl into french right so sartre kind of owes a big debt to levinas in that sense um levinas is a really strange thinker um, and he's been totally bastardized by this sort of liberal left progressivist Judith Butlerian kind of uh, appropriation of his work uh, because they try to appropriate it into its own kind of lesser evilist approach to politics, right? When he's fundamentally opposed to that. But no, I do think that Heidegger during this period is probably, if we if we were going to psychoanalyze him or armchair or psychologize the situation, I think he's actually probably, yeah, worried about um, what's happening in the world and how um, it's being rendered impossible just to have a life, right? Um, and he sees he sees all of these uh, these pushes uh, by surrounding countries as the responsible parties, right? Now I um, I disagree profoundly, but I also understand why someone would think that. And so when people say, oh, well, we just have to read Heidegger for his philosophy and not his politics. He was just bad at politics, but good at philosophy. I, I don't think that's true. I think we're all bad at politics and we're all bad at philosophy. He was bad at politics and he was good at philosophy, but his politics does make a really important question mark over his enti- the entirety of his philosophy. And it's something that I'm not settled on and that I'll be thinking about because I'm going to keep reading Lukács. I'll keep reading Bordeaux. I'll keep reading Levinas and all of these critics of Heidegger. And really that's how I see him as the door key to so much of philosophy is people's selective silences throughout the entirety of their life's work as philosophers in the 20th century, as well, you know, as well as their, their actual critiques of him, um, Usually those critiques of him, it feels like a straw man. They're missing the entire point. And it seems like they got the main point and they're just not giving credit where it's due. That's almost always the situation with the French. And so it's like, as a thinker for myself, the the main reason is not his critique of modernity, his his critique of scientism, and that he's a door key to everyone else. But more, mainly as a, as a thinker, for, like as a thinker, like as someone who desires to be a scholar and a thinker, Like, I do. I want to be one. Um, I think that critiquing ideology on those fronts, as well as reading other thinkers in the way that we just described, this is fundamental to being able to do this thing that we want to do, which is called thinking, right? And so, yeah, but as far as whether it's prescriptive or not, it it really could be, but he supposedly bracketed that shit out. It's kind of like Foucault has bracketed out um, just rule, uh, ethics, morality, um, you know, differences between kinds of power. Uh, like he just wants to focus on power and bracket out all those other questions that political philosophers have tended to get focused on. And he's doing so as a Heideggerian his entire life, a crypto Heideggerian. Um, what does that mean? I don't even know yet. Like, what are the real implications of it? We'll never know unless we do this work. So, you know, that's why we're doing it.
1: Awesome. Awesome, yeah. Just to um, shift gears a bit, I wanted to present my my third point. I haven't formally uh, presented one and two, but I covered those. But I came up with this kind of clunky maybe analogy of why heidegger is important to me and i think that when it comes to our time energy um who which thinkers you know we can realistically dedicate time to who we can carry with we have to separate thinkers uh, into what I'm calling portals and sort of stopovers, right? It's like we stop over at certain thinkers. It's not that we don't respect them. Um, it's not that we don't value their thought, or can't uh, sort of mine their text for concepts. But we just know in terms of the time we do have at our disposal that we're not going to spend too much time there we might let's say hang out get a cup of coffee get acquainted right and then leave whereas heidegger is more is a portal in that well i like what uh, todd was saying earlier about you know true freedom being unconscious and feeling like we have to read a certain text even if the thought itself fills us with dread is an important um, inclination to pursue rather than to try to get away from oh, I only want to read what is fun and easily digestible because you're not going to be a scholar or a thinker or a philosopher unless you get to the other side of Heidegger which is a- a- an ideal, an impossible ideal. I'm not saying there is another side where you'll actually get to the other side of the portal. Same with Lacan, same with Zizek, maybe some would say the same of Plato and Aristotle. I know it. it this is somewhat subjective and plenty of people uh, just the uh, when you presented the fact that you're going to be teaching this course, some people immediately took issue, got a little butthurt, let's say. Uh, but this attitude, I think, of not having a choice in the matter, you must do this. You will fail. This is a a portal. And the idea is to get to the other side. But you never will. That's how I feel uh, about Heidegger. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll take this course and change my mind, but I doubt it. I think I'll just come out the other side more, more baffled
0: yeah any 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 getting confused junkie is is going to is going to really like that this is like the pure pure this is like the this is the best you're not going to get it better this is that good shit
2: tight 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 yeah
0: this is this is where it's at right like um besides all of that like yeah i i man, I guess um I'm spacing out now cuz it's been 12 hours and 37 minutes. Hours. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I think we should probably wrap down pretty soon. I'm going to open it up to Q&A in a minute. Um so what are your three reasons if you just say them? Send, you know, point 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 point.
1: Okay, I'll try to condense them. Number Portals. 1 is I think what Heidegger's doing uh is a great supplement to the Kantian project. He's doing what Kant did for Transcendental Idealism, well created Transcendental Idealism. He's doing that for imminence uh, two, for selfish reasons, because it's a essential supplement to Lacan, to, Zizek, to the to all of those concepts to me. Heidegger right now is something of a, a vanishing mediator. There, it's going to help me understand uh, the thinkers who I consider in my uh, wheelhouse better. And third, because Heidegger is not not a layover, not a stopover, but a portal. I don't have a choice. You don't. You don't have it. You you feel that way at this point. No, it sounds like. I'm complaining, but I mean that in the best way possible in the sense that, that Todd was, uh, laying out the, you know, freedom of the unconscious. I am, I'm drawn to this book. I I dread it. It looms large. I don't have a choice in the sense that I can't call myself a thinker, or I don't call myself a philosopher, but even someone who dabbles in philosophy, unless I have a, a prolonged engagement with this text. And I'm I'm very excited to be reading it. And I'm excited to have you, uh, Dave, shepherding me and everyone else in the course through this up until this point. You know, um, the Lord Mikey has been my shepherd.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you're going to help us. You're going to shepherd us. And I am looking forward to playing the Dave to your Mikey in a sense.
0: Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, I, I it was Mikey's idea. We should give credit where it goes. I mean, actually, like he's he's made some like shout outs for this course, and you know, he's given it his full support and everything like that. But he's never just like written something about, like, no, he actually sent me a bunch of voice messages saying, look. I don't know what your overall plan is like when you're actually planning on doing a solo lecture thing where you actually teach a course on your own without like co-instructors, but you need to do it within the first year. And I think you need to do being in time more than anything else. And that's good. I'm glad he was advocating for that because my goal was already being in time has to come before Das Kapital. Also, totality infinity has to come before Das Kapital. Look, we're going to get a big influx of Marxists, worldview Marxists, when the Catron course happens, and they will be welcomed with arms wide open, said just like Scott Stapp from Creed, you know, with our heart wide open. But the thing is, I don't want too many of them. I don't want too many of them. I don't want this place to be like 50 of them and like three of us who are like, but also totality, infinity matters, you know, no, it's by the time they get here, they're going to be aware that all theory that is non-Marxist is not just petty bourgeois idealism, that it actually is a fundamental critique of their worldview and that any radical change theory that is ever gonna have a hope of having any positive impact on any future that gets us out of anything they don't like in this day and age, it's going to come from genuine tarrying with those contradictions and working through them. And uh, that's what Marx would do. Hate to break it to them, but it's what he would have done. If he was resurrected today, he wouldn't say, all right, just give me Lenin and Stalin and Mao and Castro and Che and I'll Rosa and Kotsky and I'll just read them all and then I will build a new system out of that. No, he fucking wouldn't. That's so stupid. No, he would yeah, say uh, he. Would-
1: I was just going to say his dissertation was on like Epicurus, right? and Like the atomists. So, just goes to show you like nothing especially politically radical about that and he gave it as much energy and thought as anything else sorry yes
0: well and you know uh, you know uh for lenin you know he he says you know marx is really just like he's the combination of taking the insights of uh, french socialism um british political economy and german idealism and synthesizing those right i mean and. Honestly, I need to, I need a refresher on when he says this, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't say like it's an imminent critique of all of them using them against each other. Maybe he does say that and I need to just revisit it. But, um, the point is, is, uh, you know, a socialist who goes, oh, I just, I want world change. I want positive change therefore I'm just going to read the thinker who said that we need to stop interpreting the world and change it. And I'm pretty much just going to read, not even read his main theoretical works, but I'll read the politicians who use his name. That, I'm sorry, that would, that approach would not get you, um, this, this rich, you know, this richness that comes from spending 20 years in the British museum I mean, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, spending that, spending all that time, 10 hours a day, pouring over these manuscripts from these different traditions. And these aren't traditions that were unified wholes. You had to understand the arguments within these, you know, movements of thought. And, you know, but there's more movements of thought in our day and age. And in fact, there's like a complete overwhelming totality. Uh, I mean, it's not a totality, but an aggregate of a mass of, of data and of information, and we don't have ways of parsing it. Right. And so the point of theory in uh, and philosophy in part is to help us parse it. And, um, this is why on the last page of chapter one of being in time, um, uh, he says, let's see, do I have it here? I hope so. I hope that this is it. No, fuck. Is this it? My uh my Adobe Acrobat's like crapping out on me and I think this is a sign that uh the computer is like overheating from all of this streaming. But I'm on the wrong chapter. Here we go. So, um page 77 of the Macaree and Robinson. Um he says, "We shall not This is the second to last paragraph, right? um we shall not get a genuine knowledge of essences simply by the syncretistic activity of universal comparison and classification right so he's basically saying like there's a fucking shit ton of information out there and we could just kind of piece it all together like big old bricolage and compare things to and then kind of classify things and th- then we'll know what being is. We'll we'll have a sense for what being is. We'll have a sense for who we are. We'll have a sense for what our possibilities are. No, no. Then he says, subjecting the manifold to tabulation, which means subjecting everything to putting numbers on things and counting it all. Subjecting the manifold to tabulation does not ensure any actual understanding of what lies there before us as thus set in order. It goes on and it's like one of my favorite quotes from the beginning, but the basic point is just like, yeah, we, we, we need in the same way that like we have this desire to learn everything and to just accumulate knowledge, accumulate knowledge, and that that would make us, you know, knowledgeable or whatever. The, the goal of a a text like this is in a sort of sense to put all of that, that we've accumulated throughout our lives into an acid bath. And see what remains afterwards, right? It's not. It's not just so that we can accumulate a world of, so that we can tabulate the manifold, so that we can collect the wiki pages and uh, and and reference them at dinner parties, right? So, yeah. Actually, I was hoping that I would actually get a chance to read something from this book um, in this conversation, but um. So, what's our plan, man? We're gonna come back here in the next. Uh, we're gonna. Have another conversation in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, to talk about like the first section of history of the concept of time. Is that right?
1: Love that. Yeah, I'm actually um, reading a little bit of Husserl. Seems like important preliminary. Got uh, Becker's videos to guide me along there. Uh, he did a series on Cartesian meditations. And uh, uh, yeah, then I'm gonna uh, jump into
0: history of the concept of time. I'm pretty stoked. Well, the first part is nine pages. Okay. And the, and then chapter one, it's, uh, it's like 13 pages. So basically, you know this isn't like the 50 page chapters we might sometimes be dealing with in being in time i think we deal with giant chapters like three times in the first division but um yeah i think that this is going to be pretty pretty doable so like you know like if you sit down in a, in a in a place where you're devoted to reading for 2 hours you'd probably get through all of that and so if you can do that sometime in the next couple weeks I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe the beginning of May. We should be looking to the beginning of May sometime. But um, we're gonna have to. And really, like, you don't have to. You don't have to like master this shit. You just—it's your first pass, and then coming with some questions about it and stuff. Um, I really loved Andrew Master Signified Bodies. He was doing. um, He's been hitting this text, right? And so. I'm thinking uh, we'll probably all have to have a conversation, him with us and uh, speaking of, I'm wondering, uh, is he going to come on for the Q&A portion here and is there anybody else in the chat who's going to come on for the Q&A portion here? Uh, It looks like a couple people are in the background and so I'm looking forward to kind of taking questions here before we close out. Is there anything you want to say before we pivot into this Q&A engage with the audience portion of this?
1: How are you still alive right now?
0: Dude, guess what? No caffeine, no THC. Um, This is like uh, the first time I've ever done a long stream without either. So yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, you're falling asleep over there yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to feel like energized after this and need to wind down. Like that's my problem is winding down. Like the hardest. See, it's easier to do a giant live stream than to do a bunch of live streams throughout the week. Because each one puts me into a different headspace and it's a different kind of energy than the kinds of energy that I need to do other kinds of things. And so in a weird way, like this is actually, it's hard, but it's it's kind of easier than a lot of the shit that I tend to do. Pure
1: juicence uh,
0: in think need so. of be cards right now. Dude, tomorrow's going to be dope. It's going to be awesome. Uh, is there anybody in the chat who's been here all day? Is there anybody who's been here most of the day? Has anybody only been here for this conversation? Has anybody only been here for the last few conversations? How about everybody in the chat? Say which conversations you caught. Um, don't bother mentioning the ones you just popped in on for a second, you know, just, but I'm curious, like who caught what from today, today's been wild. I mean, I did not plan on, on some of the things that took place. And I mean, I, I'm just like pretty stoked how it all worked out. Did you catch any of it? Like you, you, you popped in for Todd, didn't you?
1: I popped in for Todd. Um, God, I don't remember. Her name, the woman who was talking about identity politics. I saw some of that.
0: Christine Luidi Soli.
1: And, uh, I saw Anne's first solo live stream, which was great. That's what I was able to make today.
0: That's excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked that she did that. Um, and that she, she, God, it's really cool. Cause like she, she's a natural. Right. She really is. Um, and it's just like, it's with theory plebe, it was kind of like, that's my thing. With theory underground, like it's a lot more obvious that this is a, a thing where I'm trying to take the conversations that I already have with people and bring them into the light of day and formalize them enough that other people are able to be a part of the conversation. And so like, that's what we're doing right now. That's what I've been doing with everybody on this. Well, there's a couple of people who were, I I never talked to Nina power on a stream before I never talked to Daniel Tut on a stream before, but everybody else, it's like, these are the conversations I have offline, right? We, but we step up our game a little bit because we're doing this, trying to bring other people in on it. So we're not just telling our, telling each other, Oh, we know what we're talking about. Oh yeah. No, it's more like, do we? And shit, I gotta communicate with others, so it's cool. And the fact is, is like, Anne's one of my favorite, like, people to have conversations with, like, deep ass conversations. And so, the fact that she was able to do her first solo stream today, like, that was completely unplanned, and it was one of the coolest things that that happened today for sure.
1: Yeah, props, Anne. Great job. Um, The whole day, I mean, from what I've caught. Uh, has been absolutely electrifying, and you're right. It's like when you are caught in the gaze of the other. It, yeah, it's like doing it on, on hard mode. If it's just sending voice notes back and forth, as we do, and that's great. Um, I mean, first, first of all, you can you can delete those. You can do take twos, take threes, when the pressure's on, and that's when you really, though, also just Cu- come up with some some shit and i mean that as some shit like that's some shit or some shit like either way it's like yeah, either way out, you know it's like you, you gotta go that that's when um uh, the some of the the most interesting ideas emerge it's like when you're, you're going out on a limb and i really i believe that and philosophy is just it can be so isolating and it is for so many people and what you're doing right now is trying to prevent people from becoming isolated and siloed and it's like I mean we talk we've talked about this ad nauseum, but right now we both have had our experiences with academia, um just that that whole shit show. And uh it it disillusions a lot of people. And then they think, okay, well maybe activism's the way to go, but you can be just as equally disillusioned with the state of activism leftist activism at least in america right now so it's like where where to turn
0: mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. This is the place mm-hmm. i've yeah man thank you thank you for being being here thanks for doing this um so let's pivot into the q a portion uh I'm going to start by saying, Andrew, I hope you're able to pop in here. I said in the chat, get in here. Um, I hope you're able to. Um, and uh, Nance and everyone else, you're able to uncloak yourselves. Like, you know, pop in, dis- disclose thyself in, in this chat. Actually, shit, it's like one, one person left. So what? Who's, who's here? It's just Nance now. Um, welcome, Nance. I'm going to read something before before we kind of talk a bit more and it's a, it's a question from when I did this stream on like two weeks ago, why being in time this one was not so much why being in time and it was more I should really retitle it why not being in time why you should not read this text uh, because I was mainly trying to discourage people from signing up for this course if they're not going to take it seriously um, and, and, uh, but there's a really great uh, comment here that I want to read Uh, It's a question, so it's part of the Q&A because it is a question. Why, why is, oh my God, I wasn't supposed to say the name. Well, it doesn't matter. It's kind of anonymous anyway. I'm currently learning two languages, but this opportunity is something I'm interested in. I study very different eras and traditions, but I've been compelled to read Being in Time for a decade now. I'm already dealing with enough difficult texts, but I know what you mean about reading Being in Time raising your acumen. I'm strongly considering this class. I would say though, if you did a course on Kant's critique of pure reason, I'd sign up even faster since he's more foundational and less controversial. I'm sure I wouldn't be the only one. Something to consider in the future. Now I'm going to run to the restroom really quick and I will be able to hear what goes on from my earbud here. So. I'm just wondering. Oh, Matan said goodbye. He said, got to go. It was a pleasure listening to all these talks. Well, it was great to have you, Matan. Take care. I hadn't seen in the chat until just now. But I'm actually going to uh, share this comment into the chat here so that... um, Nance, you've got a good reader voice. Nick, you do too, but but Nance hasn't talked in a while. So, Nance, if you would read my response, um, that'd be dope because... That way, I don't have to fucking read my own shit, which I really don't want to do right now. Would you be willing to? Right. And then once you've done that, um, maybe Nick will read the other response. But yeah, I'll I'll step away. Thanks.
2: There are two ways of interpreting the second part of your comment. Either you are proposing that CPR is higher on your agenda for other unstated reasons, and in addition to that, maybe more other people would sign up to do its controversial nature to due to its controversial nature. Or you are saying the only real reason it takes higher priority for you is because it is less controversial but just as essential. Both are valid, but I wrote a long response supposing that you meant the latter. If you meant the former, my response will still answer why being in time before CPR. Because your question is so good, I'm going to publish my response here on Theory Underground as well. Let me know if you want your username kept anonymous. Hello. I appreciate this comment very much. Kant's critique of pure reason is indeed more foundational in the chronological order of the tradition and is essential to everything. Oh, no.
1: Getting an echo there. Echo. Uh...
2: Hello, I appreciate this comment very much. Kant's critique of pure reason is indeed more foundational in the chronological order of their tradition and is essential to everything else deemed essential at Theory Underground. If you look at the front page of theoryunderground.com, you will see, lower down, a sliding set of book cover images under the header essential texts. These have been there since day one of the site because there are certain texts I need to reread and reread with others over the next five years. The list is not comprehensive or complete and is lacking several other texts I consider equally essential, though less pressing in terms of time. Unlike some texts, CPR is shown on that list, so I have no doubt that it is coming. However, that is a year or two out, because I am not doing things chronologically. The order is not entirely arbitrary. Because this is the first year of operations at Theory Underground, a lot of thought goes into the order of the courses. Of the essential texts being in time precedes totality and infinity which is followed by das kapital those are all prior to Kant's cpr hegel's pos etc what happens if i lead with das kapital if i lead with das kapital then i would attract a bunch of marxists who don't care about philosophy i have nothing against someone for whom marx is an essential thinker he is for me too but someone who thinks marx made other philosophers irrelevant I can only handle such people in small doses. It's fine to have one or two of them around, but I would not want to have them oversaturate and dominate the spaces I'm constructing on the website. If we have a couple of token dogmatic traditional Marxists who are involved, then this will be good for everyone because such people, by holding fast to their line, are better able to help us see things, learn, and figure out our own positions in reference to their own. Yet they will be highly encouraged to tackle being in time and totality and infinity with me First, since I consider this necessary for having more substantial conversations about theories of self, world, and social change. What happens if I lead with Kant's critique of pure reason? If I, on the other hand, lead with Kant's CPR, then I get a bunch of philosophy students who like like to stay in a safe lane. Pure reason might have its limits, but philosophy should not. Kant is equally difficult, more dry, and profound. But Kant is safe in a way because his politics are basically liberal. This should not matter because it does not change his relevance to historical attempts at pure thinking. But because academia is so competitive with so much self censorship, it becomes a serious factor for people. At Theory Underground, we try to first truly read such thinkers on their own terms as doing pure philosophy before critiquing their historical situatedness and how background bias may have factored in to corrupt the purity of their thought. This latter reading is also essential, but it is the one people jump to, skipping the real reading, period. I just wrote a piece that defines these terms while presenting the three principles of study as a way of life. Being in time is indeed more controversial than CPR, but it separates those who are serious about philosophy first and foremost from those who care more about what a given book signals about them. To your credit, you are not unwilling to read Being in Time, though for sensible reasons, if I have correctly interpreted your comment. You still balk at it enough to prioritize other texts first this is both fair and sensible some people balk at the prospect of reading this text and then never go beyond that point even rationalizing their hesitancy with the obvious kinds of reasons that might come to mind i can respect that for people who have career-based images to maintain but theory undergrounds or my image or my image aims to prioritize great text thinkers and profound concepts over and above and before the other incentives and tendencies of philosophy and theory education related spaces. By prioritizing being in time, I filter out certain students with no ill will, but also without apologies. I hope you will join in this course, but if not, we will for sure be tackling CPR within a year or two.
0: Nick, can you uh, read the response here, um, I'm having a great time standing on the terrace looking outside. I've realized like staring at a screen is not natural. Like our eyes are not used to one point. And so I'm just looking off at this post sunset right now and it's just so great. And uh, so anyway, I, oh, and then I'll also share the other comment, Nancy, you can read that one. It's a short one but um yeah so the the main response uh if nick you can read that and then nancy you can read the other part i just i think this exchange is okay but yeah all right thank you
1: yep uh thank you for the detailed response now that i know you have a certain plan in place and you have a non-academic goal and methodology when it comes to the texts you study i understand and deeply respect the order you are approaching philosophy. I am not in academia, and I do not study the canonical Western thinkers. I'm not really coming from either of those two interpretations you put forward, but your comment made me really interrogate my thinking about the two texts. Coming from a Sufi Muslim background, being in time resonates more with who I am than CPR, being in time makes a lot of sense as a Sufi. My interest in Kant comes from my study of Islamic philosophy. There is a line of thinkers who anticipate Kant in rejecting elements of Abyssinian peripateticism. That said, when I think about it, there is a reason I've spent the last 10 years trying to find a way to read Heidegger. I think I would benefit from being in time on a personal level. We are all all coming to philosophy from different perspectives. I don't balk at being in time at all. While being a Nazi is plenty controversial for Heidegger, Kant wasn't free from related issues either. People focus on how problematic Heidegger is, but Kant is also pretty problematic, at least as a non-Westerner. Kant and the Neo-Kantians did much to close the Western mind off from non-Western streams of philosophy. You can read more about this in Van Norden's Taking Back Philosophy. His xenophobia did have a very real effect on how Western philosophy became more closed off right as colonialism was picking up steam. Not a great combination. That's getting too lost in the sauce. And it's a conversation to be had outside of a YouTube comment. Now that we've discussed the issue with controversy, let's talk chronology and importance. Chronologically, CPR comes first. If I'm taking the comic book approach to philosophy, I'd have to start there. That's just one approach. And by no means should it be the only one. Hello, Marxists. Canonicity and importance are also another way to approach philosophy. But not all philosophizing has to follow canon. Again, hello Marxists. I would be a hypocrite as a student of non-Western philosophy if I took a fundamentalist approach to the Western canon. I appreciate your approach to looking at Heidegger and Kant as pure thinkers first and it is an approach I try to follow in my own work. Thank you for getting me to think more deeply about my comment. While I'm probably not the type of seeker you expected, I'm not one of those philosophy students you are afraid of attracting. I'm not in it for safety, although I appreciate the ones who are. I feel like it's time for getting lost in being in time. I want to take your course, i hope you continue to the other texts you mentioned like das kapital hopefully i'll be along for the ride as for my comment thank you for offering to keep it anonymous i'll take you up on that author offer uh that was a slip uh what a beautiful this is from deckthon 11 days ago was i supposed to say that nance nance
0: will read nance will read death
1: oh <laughs> did not realize that what a beautiful exchange that was that was the kind of discourse that the nerds who invented the internet probably assumed would become standard as it gained popularity as a communication
0: medium if only Dude, if my comment section was always like this, I, would, I wouldn't have started Theory Underground. Because like the, the ultimate goal is that the forums will slowly become a bit more like that. It'll be a while until people have kind of acclimated and we've done some... People will have to go through a few courses before they kind of treat it that way. And we'll, we'll need the app, right? Like, once the app is there. Um, but, yeah, no, that's the kind of level of... Conver- like, that's what I want, man. Like, that's that that really made my day. So that's why I wanted to highlight it here at the beginning of the Q&A. But with that said, um, Nance, you've had your eye on chat. You've been here all fucking day. You just heard our whole conversation about being in time. I'm just uh, – you signed up for being in time, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So even if it's just the three of us, we're going to have a good time. But – it uh, looks like we've got a couple other people involved already. And so um Nance, what what what's your takeaways? Uh I guess before we talk about the whole day, we should probably talk about this this one right here. So this segment. Um anything you're thinking about in particular?
2: I I'm interested to um observe the unfolding of the phenomenology of the imaginary and, and the the interplay of of that um i'm new to lacan and it's kind of retroactively changing a lot of stuff that i thought i had a firm grasp on um so i'm very much looking forward to that i super appreciate nick and andrew uh their their seminar readings on their youtube uh, going through that is is awesome so i'm yeah, I'm looking forward to just looking at this in a new light and actually probably looking at it deeply for the first time ever.
0: For the first time ever. I, I, I want to say that Nick and Andrew, their channel, initially I was like, oh no, they're trying to become influencers. You haven't been and i really appreciate that guys like um oh andrew's trying to get in here but he doesn't have the link the link is not in my email oh my god hold on i want to i don't want to talk about the why i'm proud of you guys until i get him in here so let's just send him this link directly and then if i hold on i don't want to tell him it is in the email because what if it's not? But if it's not, then how did everybody else get in here? I got the... It's there. Maybe he didn't get added to the right email. That's, that is possible. I think I think he's looking at the wrong email. The three, ma- three emails went out. One was for the... There we go. Here we go. Andrew Flores, Master Signified Bodies, The Big Signorelli, in the house. Welcome to the stream. Audio probably still connecting, but where are you? Andrew? Hey! Yes.
3: Yo, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, we can hear you now.
3: What's up? What's up? Dude, I didn't know you
0: were locked out.
3: Yeah, I was like blowing up the, the chat and then I, I sent the message in the messenger. I was like, yo, I don't got the link.
0: Oh, you were even blowing up the chat? Fuck. Yeah. I had no idea. Well, man, <laughs> I, I was just about to talk about why I'm proud of you guys. Um, and then I was like, where the fuck is Andrew? <laughs> so that's why I went looking. Um, you you probably got multiple emails and you were probably looking at the one that I sent out to everybody
3: um yeah i even try to look back i didn't see like any of the the later ones the other notifications i got from theory underground are from like uh the wordpress and like um discussion boards like
0: comments so the one you were looking at is the first email you may ever read from me theory underground launch okay so yeah there's definitely not a link in that one But you should have gotten the one that's called interview confirmation and info Zoom link et cetera. So I'm gonna find that.
3: No, I didn't get that. I didn't get that one.
0: So tomorrow, we're kind of like you you and me. We're headlining this shit tomorrow. Yeah. And so I'm gonna send you this right now, cause yeah, and basically your the email is the the one that starts with
3: Flores, right? Ends in Mm -hmm. Gmail. Okay. Uh, A M uh, or no, no no it should be A M Flores J R nine six is Wait. that the one you got
0: A M Flores yeah I had Flores J Andrew
3: oh okay well I mean I don't have that one hooked up to my computer that's probably why I didn't I
0: didn't get that one all right well just send me your email we'll get it figured out you yeah because uh, I don't think your other email is even on my other list but. Okay, so what I was just about to say, though, is that, so what we've been talking about is how how stoked we are to do this shit or whatever, right? And so, but I was just going to say, like, when you guys started your channel, I was worried that you're going to go this influencer route, and I've been really proud of you guys for kind of resisting the algorithmic incentives to just do topical shit. Like, you've really honed in on doing the kinds of content that forces you to do a lot of difficult prep work and then talk about things that will alienate most people who are just looking for something sensational right. so, so good on you guys and uh, in that sense you're basically early to the theory underground game of fellow travelers who've started doing exegetical readings and started doing these te- more textual based conversations you guys have been you, you, were, you were doing it before any of, anyone else was doing it, and so in that sense, you really are the vanishing mediators.
1: Appreciate that. Tight, 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 yeah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's tight. Um, so anyway, Andrew, Nick, Nance, any, uh, any questions, thoughts, anything you wanna say about the, the, the stream in general? Uh, specifically from this segment or or whatever before we kind of start wrapping it down
1: no I think I said it all we got a lot of reading to do so I'm back with uh, more ammunition when we take on the uh, beginning of uh, history of the concept of time Mm
0: -hmm. hell yeah
3: Andrew how about you? Um. Well, I think one thing I uh, I would like to kind of clarify is like within the relationship between history of the concept of time and being in time. Um, what? How? How is uh, Brentano? Because when he mentions Brentano's uh, kind of investigation into psychology and. Um, I think it's chapter one. Um, how, how, in what way is Brentano's like method, like sort of proto phenomenology? Because he's investigating psychology first, right? Right. Yeah, and yeah. you know,
0: phenomenology comes out of sort of a critique of psychologism and naturalism yeah. both,
3: right? And mm. so, um. Because he doesn't, Brentano doesn't use the term "things in themselves," but he uses something like "we should let the things present themselves" or something like that. Yeah, it's close.
0: Yeah, it's close. Yeah. But the basic the basic point is that that was the scientific ethos of the day, so they they wanted to break with scientism, which is thinking that any given field can answer all of the other all the questions of you know all the fundamental questions of humanity, right? Like. No, 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 no. Single instrumentalized field is going to be able to do that, um, and and just thinking that oh, the scientific approach is the approach and it's the end all. But at the same time, they 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 really appreciate in the same sense that Hegel did that idea of of uh, the ideal of having your your concepts right. not be projected onto the whatever the subject matter is but developed out of it right from 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 trying to get outside of ideology and word games to try to understand like what's actually going on there yeah so so as far as like the relation between Brentano Husserl like we we can go off of what Heidegger says in the history of the concept of time which for now is good enough right mm-hmm. it's proto it's proto husserlian in the sense that yeah, it's so it's aware that intentionality is a thing, and it wants to get it. Basically, wants to get to the things themselves, right? But right. then it's 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 Husserl who formalizes that, and uh, and and makes it kind of his life project. But he doesn't just do that in general. He's mainly interested in the relationship between consciousness and numbers and logic. Yeah, and yeah. and is is math founded on logic? Is logic founded on math? Um, why does the world seem mathematical? Is that because we're inside of a computer simulation or is it because God is a mathematician or is it because human consciousness itself has structures to it and those structures to consciousness are going to right. disclose reality in certain ways? And that would be Husserl's position. Is it's called intuitivism versus formalism, right? Formalism says right. no, math is based off of fundamental axioms. Whereas this intuitive approach, it has nothing to do with the word intuiti- intuition in, in American standard English. So right. don't disassociate. But yeah. the yeah the in- intuitivism for for the people influenced by Husserl is to say no, math. And logic; these are founded on existential structures of the the subject's conscious experience and relation to the world itself. That doesn't mean that the world is all inside of our heads, but it does mean right. we perceive the world, and that that's fundamentally perceived through a a a, a, a almost kind of like how Kant would talk about, right? Right. Like we have that would be a psychologism
3: by bringing it just all inside our heads right and then we right. get stuck in deadlocks of solipsism and mind-body dualism type thing um yeah one thing i found interesting about that and i wonder if you would agree if like if there's any criticisms of kant from heidegger it's because what he points out in the concept of time or history of the concept of time about like the sort of schism of neo-Kantianism. I forget the other school, but though I think the main proponent is the Marburg school, which focuses on um, the scientific appropriation of Kant rather than like the conditions of possibility for uh, experience and knowledge. It's like of scientific experience and scientific knowledge. So it's like already right there. They've used like they've kind of regressed to uh, a philosophy of science that relies on. Uh, Kant and maybe even pre kantianism but they fall into like the sort of tradition to where like they end up going back to like oh subject object dualism but in the framework of like Im- empirical and observational facts right because like they're gonna saying like we're all about the facts but like the facts can only be grounded within a framework that talks about scientific experience as a condition of possibilities like and they kind of like bracket out everything else like is, is Heidegger kind of critical of that sort of Kant and not like Kant, how we would understand Kant now that we kind of know the difference, like from the history of ideas?
0: I think I failed to fully follow your question, and that's either a function of or the result direct product of this being a 13 hour and 21 minute stream, or it's because it was perhaps. The way you put it, and I just am curious if an answer. So Nance, let, you, let me just shorten it. Is, is when he he we was look was at honest. like any
3: kind of criticisms of Kant uh, by Heidegger, is it Kant himself, or is it Marburg appropriation of Kant of philosophy of science and using Kant to talk about conditions of possibility of scientific experience and scientific knowledge rather than philosophical knowledge and epistemology. Oh yeah. Because yeah, he points that, that out is, in the history that is of what he talks of about.
0: That, that is what he talks about in the history. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I missed the word Marburg when you were originally talking yeah, about it. And so, cause, yeah, because
3: there's two schools, but Marburg is like the primary one. I know Lukacs is also critical of that school as well. Right. And so,
0: yeah, the sort of philosophy can only be the handmaiden of the sciences after Kant being resp- – you know, Marburg being responsible for that – um, yeah, I, and, and, then, and then philosophy being sort of nothing but philosophy of science in the 19th yeah. century. At the very mm-hmm. point when, phlo- when every one of the sciences was under crisis, realizing that it, it's, its foundations were falling out from under itself, right? Right. General right. relativity theory, quantum mechanics, and uh, he goes into math examples. He goes into all these other fields of examples of various ways that the foundations of these sciences were failing – Uh, or falling out from under the sciences, yet nonetheless philosophers of science were trying to stay in those wheelhouses, like, oh, okay, well, working within the system, all we need to do is reclassify things. If we just reclassify things, we can put it all right back together. Maybe we're missing a category. Maybe we're missing a faculty. We just need to find, like Nietzsche said, after Kant, everybody's so excited to discover a new faculty, Right,
3: right. Yeah, it was like even the theologians were going through their Bibles looking for a synthetic a priori. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um,
0: that's a solid question, and uh, it, you you almost lost me there, but no, that thank you for clarifying it. Right. Um. With all of that said, uh, I think that we are about to close out, uh, and before we close out. I want to just kind of turn it to a general sort of reflection on the entire day and uh, I want to give everybody a moment here to say their whatever they want about the, the stream marathon itself. Day one, here it is, in conclusion. Um, and I will just say, it's. I knew it was going to be fun, but I had no idea. I really had no idea what was going to transpire and how it was all going to go. and How in a sort of eerie sense it all fits together like this grand totality. Like it really does. Like the common threads and the various guests and it all just weaves together in this sort of way. Not a lot of people are going to have the stamina, endurance uh, or time and energy to be able to do the whole thing. But I know for a fact at least two people in the world are going to listen to the whole thing and then re-listen to it within the next six months. And they're probably going to do it at work and they'll be – Homies, (laughs) Homies, <laughs> they're gonna be fellow travelers, on a level that people who kind of pick a video here and a video there and a you know that we do, they, they, they don't, they're not gonna have that basis. And so, I you know whoever whoever's doing that, shout out to you. We're doing it for you. We're trying to provide people a way of kind of getting it all, the whole kind of what is the approach, the mindset, the attitude the essential questions the concepts the thinkers of theory underground what is all of the intent that has gone into it like what is the bigger picture like if you haven't done this stream today you probably don't fucking know and so yeah. hell yeah that's my thoughts anything else you guys have to say
3: I popped in and out, so I don't, I haven't really seen like everything. You know, I popped in and out of like the Tut one a little, and then like I caught the ending of the McGowan. I missed the Catron one.
0: Did you get the Ann one?
3: I did, yeah, I did get, yeah, about uh, critical media and yeah. uh, 10 ways to break up with your phone, your iPhone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a good one.
3: Hell yeah.
1: Um, no it's just really cool because i linked up with all of y'all like it's uh... it's coming on a year now so yeah this is just surreal and fun and exciting uh... and it hasn't even been a year and here we are and there have been so many developments the time. I mean, we've like collectively created so much content, brought so many other fellow travelers along, and uh, you know, this is just the beginning. So I really can't uh, even begin to imagine how it's going to uh, snowball from here. This is just so sick. And yeah, I just want to thank uh, everybody for. Supporting me and Andrew um, for including us, uh, and and Dave, you're the you're the one with the vision, and uh, you're pulling it off.
0: No, I've I've just been trying to have specific spaces or kinds of conversations for longer, uh, and most people who study philosophy don't feel the need to piggyback off others and do things in this, like, I you did, know, like other people get sick of philosophy club and move on. I got sick of philosophy club, but I refuse to move on. That's all. I'm just like, it's like, no, I want certain kinds of spaces and I'm not going to give up. That's all. But I know that it's not just like, Oh, I've got the vision. No, I, this is a stab in the dark and it's one that's going to hopefully encourage a lot of other people to take a stab, you know, in, in radical new, unforeseen ways. And so, you know, but thank you.' I, I, I will, I'll just take the compliment. fucking. Thank you. I mean
1: that the first philosophy club ever ended with Socrates drinking hemlock. So it's like it's a long tradition of people getting tired of philosophy clubs, especially <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <True.
0: Politician.
1: laughs>
0: Anne said this stream has been awesome. So many great conversations. yeah, I'm I actually am just so happy Anne has been able to make so much of it. Not only, and then to be to do her first solo stream is fucking epic. Um, Nance, how about you, man?
2: It has been very, very strange and surreal. And uh, just to be in proximity to so many um, serious people, like people that I want to be near, I want to interact with, I want to um, spend time with and learn and grow alongside, um, it's very awesome. Um, and yeah, the way today unfolded, there has been kind of, uh, like an underlying theme, maybe unexpected, but also we probably should have expected it to be there, um, all the time. Um, and it kind of, for me, it's like resisting categorization and, and like a universal human experience like um and i don't think you can get this anywhere else on the internet yeah i agree because we're
3: doing like a bunch of stuff and it's like kind of keeping accountability like with exegetical stuff whether it's video or like it's like discussion um the lecture courses so it's like literally uh the entire salad bar like you got everything you know it's like the entire buffet and you know it's not like a one-trick pony i still like see like i saw like today like you know i'm not going to say their name but you know a bunch of people po- like sharing like this influencers like uh latest video about jk rollins like this is the hottest take like who cares like this is just freaking it's just influencer shit like this is not philosophy right like it's just clickbait and like it's just like you're always going to have them but what are they going to do but just attract followers like if you want to just consume content and just share it on IG and 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 be like oh check out this content creator that's fine but if you want to actually find a medium where you could do theory and maybe one day either publish your stuff or just be a lifelong student or fellow traveler, like like to to take a, a term out of Dave's book. And, and at the same time, you're going to like realize, oh, I don't really know shit, right? Stop doing comparative readings and be like, this sounds like this person. This sounds like that. It's like no, we're actually doing philosophy, which is like questioning your presuppositions. Right, not just saying. Well, I've read Being in Time once. I've read Totality of Infinity once. I've read Das Kapital, and actually, let me tell you something. It's like, no, that's not philosophy. You're just regurgitating, right? Our philosophy starts with a question. Do you know how to question? Do you know how to ask a question? And you know that's the hardest thing. The most simplest question that even I have time, a hard time doing because how long are my questions? Like five minute long <laughs> questions, but. um You know, I think it's just so cool, like, to to say, like, what Nick was, like, saying, like, it's been almost a year, you know, and then, like, we are celebrating not only this, but, like, Nick and I are just, like, we got this new intro, we just had a badass conversation with Isabel Millar, Um, that, that shit's popping, and we're excited to continue doing, like, more stuff, and, yeah, I guess it's just, like, it's an honor and a privilege to see even, like, you know, you going with this, from just theory plead to 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 being a part of this and then seeing mikey do for they know not what they do it's like we did the fleece fader group and we were just like like you know fantasizing like man imagine mikey teaching this course like like yada 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 and then like now it's happening right and we're about to come up on being in time right and so uh speaking of vanishing meteors i think like if there is a real vanishing mediator, it's partially examined in life because before any of the content creator, stuff like that, the only group that was like really putting stuff out there and created a group was that. And that's how you and Mikey met, right? That's
0: and
4: right.
3: And because of that, now we're right here. That's right. <laughs> but like, you know, how of this evolves and it's like it's not no longer like content creator. It's literally like doing theory with different mediums that the content creators failed to take advantage of because they stand the blind alleys of just oh the uh content creator and consumer dichotomy
0: based i think that that is where to quilt it really uh with that um i just want to say shout out to dan for that donation and yeah. i'm also gonna put up here on the screen the the final poster just to, to say Look, thank you to Daniel Tut and Nina Power for the conversation, Welcome. for actually for tearing with that negative and working through that shit. I thought that was like a- admirable on both their parts. And then Dude, um, really, you for right? Seriously, that was it was so good. They Christine Louis Isolli, Chris Catrone, Cadell Last, uh Todd McGowan, uh and for she the her coinage Anne splaining I just love it that she got to do some of that today Um, Nick Andrew also for the people who hopped on earlier like uh, to ask Todd questions right Um, what we had Luke uh, Lucas and Maton and Adam and uh, who, who else am I forgetting Jordan Jordan yeah um, and Anne's correct. it is a sausage party, but here's the thing, everybody. Um, you know, not only is this a, a space for obsessives, and just dudes are always going to overrepresent in obsessive spaces, um, but also like she's not just the token woman, you're all tokens. I'm sorry, I can't be friends with communities. I can't be fellow travelers with communities. I don't have fellow no. Whatever your identity is, you're you're not you're not really a token. But you know you're. I'm sorry, I'm, I can't be friends with the community identity group. You're my friend or fellow traveler. That's all there is to it. And so everybody who's a part of theory underground is potentially open to being criticized as the token in, in some way. And and that's you know what? Guess what? Um, thinkers. We're not uh, overrepresented in big groups that like to brand themselves as communities. They're just not. And so we're all in, in our various ways um, occupying uh, positions of non belonging. And this is not a space, a broad umbrella to bring together all the people who don't belong so that they can now have their special little identities of like, now I belong. I mean, I'll sell you the shirt, but it's not, you don't. And like, honestly, that's what the shirts should say Theory Underground on the back, I don't belong here. Right. Like, um, but I really, and I don't either. I just really appreciate you all for associating and, and for bringing high level, uh, thoughts, questions, concepts. And your question wasn't five minutes in word salad, Andrew, because you have like, you have gone from basically where everybody's at on Instagram to basically being, like you've done a bachelor's at the university in a year, you have rapidly accelerated, and you are a lot. You're 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 getting more succinct, and 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 like like uh, precise. I think by the day. And your question right. today, your question today only lost me because I didn't hear the one word really that kind of tied. Oh, Marburg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, that was a fucking fire ass question, and. Uh, I just, I just gotta say, like, uh, I know that you got cut off at that conference for not being parsimonious with the time in your question.
3: <laughs> you know fuck what? That guy,
0: fuck, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> he just wanted to go
3: drink. <laughs>
0: let's be honest.
3: No, anyway. That was funny because that was during Tut's uh, Tut's lecture too, and Tut was like, in, like, like enjoying the question too. but That dude was just like, let's be parsimonious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you, better ne- you better never come around here.
0: <laughs> but with that all said, I just got to say today has been
2: tight, 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 yeah.
0: And I hope people are going to take these courses. Uh, and with that, we're going to swap it out, roll the PSA, and I'll see you all really fucking early in the morning. Peace. Hell yeah.
4: A well, quick message from our sponsors. Just kidding. This will be neither quick nor from any corporate or state sponsorship. What follows is a description of Theory Underground, a thank you to its patrons, information about the upcoming tour, and three brand new courses that you might want to enroll in. Stay for the whole thing to get promo codes to save on those courses or information about the financial aid scholarship.
0: Theory Underground is a philosophy lecture course gated social media site and publishing house by and for working class intellectuals and renegade academics. The subject matters dealt with at Theory Underground are the most important yet neglected for understanding ourselves, the world, and ways of possibly changing it.
4: Because we have no corporate or state sponsors, only a small band of patrons, everything in this first year of operation helps immensely. Special thank yous to Bert, Nance, Marilyn, Carl, and Adam for your help in the $50 per month patron tier. If you want to help, but the $50 cheer is too much, consider donating towards Meals and Gasoline via Venmo or PayPal.
0: The Gasoline is for our countrywide tour of the US, where we aim to meet with supporters of this effort and do events to draw in new people who do not necessarily belong to marketing demographics predetermined by the attention economy. We will be giving lectures, leading discussions, and promoting several brand new books. Our goal is to only go to towns and cities where we have personal invitations from at least one person. We are doing this underground style, which for the hardcore punk scene in the US meant coming for long enough to get to know the area and do multiple events, not this modern treadmill of a new city each night in an attempt to maximize fame and profit. If you are interested in being a host, guide or volunteer, then please fill out the form at https.com Colon forward slash forward slash theory underground forward slash us hyphen tour hyphen twenty twenty three. In an attempt to utilize the resources made publicly available, we will be using libraries for most of our events. So if you have a local library card and can reserve a space for us, we would most appreciate it. Alternatively, some of you might have access to pretty epic venue spaces. Just let us know ahead
3: of
4: time. Now for the courses. The three upcoming courses are What is Sex? Digital Literacy and CMT, Critical Media Theory, and Being and Time. All courses at Theory Underground are available after the fact on demand, but some people get a lot more out of doing it live with a cohort.
0: If you are looking to think deeply about the devices we have become reliant on while experimenting with new ways of reclaiming your attention span and relationship with yourself and others, then check out Digital Literacy and Critical Media Theory a course that is structured to combat the attention economy while strategically using some of its tools to help us gain a freer relationship to our devices if interested an introduction to this course will be shared at the end of this video just make sure to click on it the lectures for this course take place on the second sunday of every month for six months starting in may if you sign up at tier three you also get access to the recovery group component which also meets once per month Enroll with promo code CMTEarlyBirdYT before May 13th for 20%
4: off. If you are frustrated by the discourse revolving around gender ideology, left and right, then join us in thinking deeper about sex. Cadell Last of Philosophy Portal is joining up with Theory Underground to teach Alenka Zupanchik's What is Sex? One of the most succinct and cutting-edge works of theory dealing with the topic. Zupancic is one of the Slovenian circle's most incisive critics of both naïve progressivism and reactionary tendencies when it comes to thinking about the relationship between sex, culture, and subjectivity. If interested, watch Three Reasons to Read What is Sex, which will be shared on screen at the end of this video. What is Sex begins in May and goes through June, meeting for four lecture sessions and, surprise, you will actually get to meet Alenka Zupancic herself. Use promo code WHATISSEXEARLYBIRDYT before May 7th for 20% off.
0: And just so you know, everybody, don't stress the capitalization. I just make it that way so it's more readable. It's not case-sensitive. Being in Time is one of the most notorious, profound, and difficult works of philosophy from the last 200 years. Its deconstruction of modernity and fundamental challenge to scientism is a prerequisite rite of passage for any thinker who wants to seriously engage with continental philosophy, social theory, or world change. In this course, you will learn about what Heidegger means by being, being in the world, Dasein, being unto death, and so many other crucial developments. But more important than all these buzzwords is just taking on this work itself and wrestling with the text. Doing so will rapidly accelerate your reading comprehension abilities and simultaneously challenge some of your most deep seated presuppositions. As before, an introductory video to this course is shared on the end screen of this video, or it can be accessed from the links in the description. Being in Time Division 1 starts in June and ends July 22nd. Division 2 begins August 19th and goes through October. To sign up for Division 1 today, use the promo code Being in Time Early Bird YT before the end of May for 20% off.
4: If you feel obstructed by the cost of these courses, then we have good news. But before getting into the financial aid info, why are there even price tags at all, much less tiered pricing? First, because some people just want to audit, whereas others want constructive, critical feedback or even one on one sessions. The tiers exist so that you can get the value you are seeking while compensating me, Dave, fairly for the time and energy required.
0: Second, The prices set for these courses aim to make Theory Underground sustainable, meaning that it will bring in enough to pay for the costs of the operation, including my personal bills, since I want to be a co-earner in the household when my soon-to-be wife and I start a family.
4: (laughs) Thirdly, (laughs) thirdly, people tend to take the things they pay for more seriously and we want you to get the most out of this experience.
0: With those reasons aside, we do not seek to exclude anyone who is struggling just to get by. We have a financial aid scholarship option for people who are currently between jobs or who live in a country on a cheap currency, like many of you who watch from Thailand, India, Mexico, or Poland, to name a few of the residents of some of the people who have already received financial aid scholarships in the last couple of months. Because I know what trying to study theory under the stresses of housing insecurity and poverty is like, the scholarship was set up during the first month of operation. Simply fill it out at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash theory hyphen underground.com forward slash scholarship.
4: Last but not least, stay tuned for the Theory Underground app coming soon to an app store near you on your phone.
0: Yeah, and seriously, thank you for listening or watching to this point. And uh, yeah. Thanks. We look forward to taking these courses with you.
4: Bye.